Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience, can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Vibration of Grace. We're going to kind of take a different avenue and a different vantage point on sound healing. Today, I think there's a lot of very stereotypical ways we think of sound healing and the vision that we have when we think about a sound healing session. And really, sound is such a powerful agent for change and for healing. I mean, if you go back in the history of humanity, you realize that there was a lot of focus on sound and its ability to shift our vibration. And today we're going to talk about what I think is a really, really beautiful kind of entry point into this vibration. And we talk a lot about um, water too. And I have to say that in my own personal life, water has been very, very important to me to submerge myself in water in a different way than, oh yeah, like, let me take a bath. Um, but in a way to kind of cleanse and purify our energy and to, yeah, I don't know, connect with the beauty that water provides, um, us in so many different ways. Obviously our bodies don't, don't survive without drinking water. Um, we don't survive on the planet without water. It's just a very, very important part of our human experience. And for some reason, it is very powerful um, in my life at this time. Um, maybe it is in yours. So maybe there's something you're doing in your daily rituals or places you're going, whether it's going to sit by the water or put your feet, you know, in the ocean or a lake or whatever it is, or take a special type of bath with, you know, beautiful things in it that make you feel good. I think sound and water are at the foundation of who we truly are. And to understand it better is just a beautiful thing. So on the show today is Gina Breedlove. She's a vocalist, composer, actor, and traditional sound healer from Brooklyn, New York. She created the program Vibration of Grace, Healing Through Sound, helping thousands of people worldwide rediscover and deepen their power. Gina's performance credits include the Lion King stage musical, and she also tours performing her own work. As a recording artist, Gina has created three original albums, Open Heart, Language of Light, and The Star. You can learn more about Gina at her website, which is ginabreedlove.com, and we will dive into our conversation right now. Please help me welcome Gina Breedlove to the show. Welcome to the show. We're so happy you're with us. So, yeah, I was telling you before we started recording that your new book, the cover of this book is so 
it's an energy. It's not just a visual experience. And from the moment I saw it, you know, lots of different books come across my desk and I just saw it and it spoke to me. And obviously it's very similar to a conversation we have here on the show from many different avenues and arenas about frequency and healing and sound and vibration and how we are these things, how these things can help us um, and support us on our journey. And I want to go into some things in the book that I'm super curious to deep dive with you on, but I want to go back to your journey. Um, I want to talk about one thing that I've noticed, like of all the people I've interviewed, my own personal journey, you know, when you've been in this arena of healing for a while, you notice that that a lot of people that have sacred gifts and are really sharing them and using their voice to share them have also been through many, many things in their life, like many initiations, many, you know, emotional, traumatic, difficult experiences. It kind of goes hand in hand and through their own healing are able to bring something else through for other people. So take me back to when you were, I think, six years old and Mm -hmm. that very raw, tender age and time in life. And what was going on in your world at that time? Oh, um, and yes, you know, I completely agree with you um, and have experienced it myself in my community of folk who do healing and holding work that it's 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 from our own experience of um, of gathering ourselves and um, and um, doing the healing work on our own bodies. And we are able to teach from that place. And so one, an early memory of for me, which is actually the first time, too, I started to sound into my body uh, for comfort. Um, was when I was six years old and my mom left my family. Um, She and my father um, split. There were five uh, of us all together. I have four siblings. And and she left us. She left the house. Now, I mean, in hindsight, as a grown woman, and I'm a grandmother now, and, you know, I can hold this from so many different perspectives, but at six, your world is ending. And... um, and there's um, the loss of safety and parts of yourself. And so I remember, um, as I share in my book, helped my mama downstairs with her things and watched her drive away and and s- stood on the doorstep for a long time. I'm from Brooklyn, um, New York, and, and back in my Brooklyn, um, you know, parents used to say when the street lights come on come upstairs you know that was our signal and I remember the street lights coming on and I was still quite anchored to the doorstep uh, and then I heard um, a voice in my spirit encouraging me to hum I always loved singing um, and I started to hum and then the hum became a song and then the encouragement was to sing and sing to myself which I did which helped me to move which got me off the doorstep and got me back into the apartment and um, and then I do remember singing and humming and rocking and holding my body and crying and going to sleep so that at that time the um that um that ending and opening um, uh, is the way I think of it, like the end of a kind of innocence and safety. And then the opening of, um, of what I now think of as a portal, right? I think that hard, terrible things also open opportunity in us and in moments. And, um, and the opening there was for me to connect with this guide, um, to learn how to care for myself because you know when your mom is not standing by or whomever is caring for you it, it does um create these conditions for harm 
you know, nobody's protecting you. And so um, there was so much harm that ensued in my life after my mama left. Um, and navigating it through sounding into my body um, was how I remained intact. And all of this is adult language, you know, like looking back. Um, but I do remember a lot of singing, a lot of sounding, a lot of um, holding my own body and feeling the vibration of my voice in my body. And then I started to notice the vibration of other things, you know. I would get up in the middle of the night and feel the train going underground. I mean, in New York and, you know, and I would be really calmed by that, oddly, you know, the constancy of it, yeah. you know, and, and paying more attention to people's voices and to the natural world, such as it was in, you know, urban, urban city life. But I began to be able to discern, it felt, if I was in a safe place or not by the sound of the person's voice. Right. If, if, if I was in a place where I would be cared for um, or if I had to watch, I mean, even at seven, six, seven years old, like have to make sure that I knew where all the exits were. You know, I mean, it's it's a terrible thing for a child to have to navigate. And it's um, it's a pretty redundant story, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think we are born into these little human bodies and and kind of like there's a sense of unscathed, like have yet to experience like some of the really traumatic, difficult things that that are part of the human experience. And so when we experience those as children so young, it's like, you know, they always talk about the first love and the first heartbreak and how like devastating that is because you're so unguarded, right? You're so open. You're so, you've never experienced that before. You just think, oh, well, this is going to be amazing. And I feel all these feelings. And, you know, and then when we go through these things as young children, like it's, it's such a big thing an experience that that we carry with us through our life, like whether we choose to heal that or understand that in a different way, whether we choose to run from that, like it's something that exists in our space that we have experienced that was so earth shattering, like in that moment. And I think, you know, I think that's like part and parcel to the human experience. I think it's really part of like what this human journey is, is like, and then we have choice in how we learn about it, grow from it, show up to it, don't show up to it, you know, all of those things. It's really interesting. And I love in your book, like there are just these moments like that aren't even so much about the content of your book, but like to me, just talk about your character. And before you share that story, you basically, I think it was a sentence or two, like I'm going to share something about abandonment, like, you know, and giving people the choice, whether that's something they want to take in at this time or can take in at this time. And that like, it just touched my heart because, you know, I mean, we're all at different places at what we can receive in the moment or what we want to hear or experience. And I just thought that like really speaks to the love in your heart and, you know, and you're like, sensitivity, right? To, to people and to what we're moving through at this time on the planet, like, which is really intense, right? And showing up in a myriad of ways in people's lives. So I just wanted to say that because like, when I read little moments like that, like, I'm just like, oh, it makes me excited about the whole content of the book. I'm like, oh, I love this woman. This is going to be great. Like, I can't wait to dive into this. So, so many beautiful little moments like that. You know, you talk about grace, right? And then the book vibration of grace, like, how would you describe, although it's probably not descriptive in words, like your relationship with grace or how you experience messages or connection with her, her, that we, we, we they, they, us, they, they, us, the whole, the totality. 
I mean, that's a good point of entry because I never, I am very new to trying to wrapping my um, understanding around the notion of pronouns or identity because I was weaned on she and he and, you know, just like very, um, um, you know, just the things that were considered um, acceptable basically. And, um, and it's working even over all these many years, um, with spirit that has opened up my whole understanding of us and we, um, and, um, because grace feels that way to me at different times. Like, so my introduction to this energy, this presence, I was very young. Um, and what, and the reason why I was able to discern it from my own thoughts was the clarity of the sound. And there was almost a maturity about it. You know, again, like this is looking back. But when I heard the voice, there was an assuredness about it that was so grounded. Um, which is not something I had. That wasn't my narrative <laughs> as a six-year-old. You know? I, and fortunately, even with the 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 grief and and sometimes terror, I also had a joy. Right, I had joy in my life. I was also shaped by uh, friends and and um, community and music and the music of the time. So, um, Grace came like a quiet calm, constant voice into my spirit that I never questioned. And I didn't know to question. Um, I think in my household, there was, I mean, we just, we were all kind of wild children. Like there was no supervision at all. And also what happened was that meant folks weren't paying attention to you. So if I'm having conversations in the corner <laughs> with a spirit guy, nobody, nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody's saying you don't see that or you're, you know, or using, you know, or saying some language that would make me clam up or pull back. That did happen later. But as a as a little girl, it just felt very natural that to have Grace with me. And I thought of her in different ways. Like there was one point in my life where I became really like I thought of it in terms of angels. Like I saw these pictures in a book and I thought they were beautiful. And I was like, oh, Grace must be my angel. Um, and um, so my 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 um, sense of Grace has shifted from like something that was mine to something that is available to all of us, you know? And then I, of course, you know, looked up the definition of grace and what is the hand of grace? And because it, the energetic was identified to me as grace. And so um, my relationship has shifted as I've aged, you know? And so now I think of grace as an energy, you know, as a living um, energy entity, the way I think of love, I think of love as a being, as, a, as something that's alive, right? And that has a pulse and an energetic. And I think of grace that way. I think of any gesture of kindness that way. I also think of things that are horrible as, as living entities as well. And, you know, that, that, um, that is a vibration and an energy and that can move and infiltrate and permeate. And I, and so I, that's the choosing you spoke of to me is like, I get to choose love. I get to keep choosing um, to align with grace and the principles that I know are grace, um, which um, feel um, like in any um, practice that I've studied in my life um, of the world's religions and, and all of these ways that you can take a knee before God or grace or spirit or Jehovah, I mean, whatever your language is, the through line is, is um, kindness, is generosity, is humanity, is love, it's honoring, like there's these energies. And I feel like grace is alongside these energies. So the vibration of grace is is an energy that we can 
that we can tap into for healing, for grief letting, for holding, um, for shifting um, a mindset, for releasing a narrative, for um, reaching um, when you feel like you've done all that you can do, for like standing in a gap or standing in an uncomfortable and staying with a practice. Like I feel like grace comes through and gives us more breath and more capacity. And it's something that can be shared. It's shared um, in the words that we choose with each other. It's in the sound. Um, um, so I hope that yeah, I feel like I've said yeah. so many. No, I mean, and and I definitely identify like with this. Like everything is like an energy. So even the things that we might label as negative, right, in our life or in the world, is like an energy. And I'm just wondering how you perceive that we connect with either something like grace or something that has plagued us our whole life, and it feels like it's all over us, right? Like it's this energy that is in our body or in our being. It's like we have melded with that energy and it feels like we can't get out of it. Because a lot of times people self-identify with things like I am just this, right? Or I am just that. And we've taken ownership of identifying with that. But if it's an energy, like how are you experiencing, you know, through your work or in life that we can move that, you know, remove that from like kind of our, our essence or our being or separate that out enough that we can like experience it as not, this is who I am. Right. That's such a great question. Thank you. I'm a fan and a, and a, and a cheerleader for daily practice. I, um, I know that there are many pathways to healing. And so I speak from my own experience of healing and daily practice is key. Staying with something, um, meditation, there are many ways to meditate, but getting time, um, for quiet and breath in, in the body, in the mind. And that could be by walking or staring at a candle flame or sitting in lotus position, I think. And there are many, many other ways, right? There is more than one way I have to discovered to meditate, to clear your mind, to get a breath. And with the breath and with the practice, I can begin to insert possibility. Um, and so I do this through affirmation. I do this for uh, through music, through sound. Um, I will choose certain sounds to um, to work with at different times. Um, I've spent a lot of years um, uprooting narratives around worthiness or unworthiness because when your mama leaves you, quite frankly, like the first thought is I'm not worth loving. I mean, that is a very logical thought for a five, six-year-old to embrace, of course, you know? Um, and so I, I, that, that narrative took root. I am not worthy. I am not lovable. And, um, and into my twenties and, and even into my thirties, I was working with this and, you know, I became aware of it in my twenties because of my behavior, the people I was choosing to confirm that narrative, you know? Um, and then I had a child, my daughter came in in 1999 and I, wanted her life to be different. And so that was the big thing. That was the big reason, my love for her, uh, that got me to turn toward a practice. Often I have found like there's a big event in some in your life that makes you go, okay, I'm done. Um, you know, I'm ready to try something different. All the old things aren't working. And um, and so affirmation, sound, ritual, practice, rigor. Healing is rigor. I think one of the one of the things that I see happening, and I see it a lot when I work with younger people, is we're in this age of instant gratification. Like, you know, like all I have to do is swipe one way and I have what I'm looking for. And I know that's a broad brush, but that is really true. It's like we get trained to expect instantaneous results. Um, and it takes time. 
and it takes rigor and there are some wins, you know, you can be like, oh, in 21 days, I can, this practice will yield this. But, you know, Shana, even in, in my 50s, I realized that I may be practicing for the rest of my life to have my life. I have to meditate. I have to pray. I have to walk. I have to read nourishing things every day. I have to listen to the sound. I have to listen to my own voice telling me things that are amazing about myself, you know, and that is how I was able to and am able to make sure that the narratives of unworthiness do not circle my heart um, or my liver, like, and take root like they were so much a part of my thoughts about myself uh, 20 years ago. Yeah. And so I would say practice um, and um, and affirmations are real right? <laughs> or things that you can listen to, like listening to this this poem every day that moves you or this psalm or this bit of reading or this you know bit of music or sitting in nature. Like there there are many pathways, but you must keep at it. You have to keep at it. And I, and I journal and I record the wins and I'm graced to have like friends and accountability practices, you know, um, but it's it, there for me, it's been a whole um, platter of offerings that I pull from um, to stay well, to stay embodied um, and to make sure that I'm loving myself forward. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I think, you know, I think we bring up you bring up something that's really important, which is like the concept that we're ever done, right? Like the con this concept of like, oh, well, I did this 21 days, therefore, you know, I now know everything I need to know about this and I'm moving on. But really in the depth of any practice, like when you think about um, whether, you know, it's writing a book like you've just done or starting a business or, or starting a relationship, like like you just can't possibly know on day one or year one, what you'll know on year 10, right? Okay. After you've done something over and over again, because there's lessons that come in at different thresholds and different times in your life. And there's deepening that happens, right? So even if you learn a lesson, let's say on year one of doing something, that lesson might go so much deeper on year five and then seven and then 10. And you see it from different, you know, angles and you're able to like understand it more more holy. And that's like an art, right? Because like you said, in the world of fast everything, right? Like, I mean, years ago, we, we took pride in every single thing we made from hand and craftsmen and all of these things, you know, and now everything it's like fast here, gone, you know, done, thrown away, start something else. Um, but it's really a practice and an art to bring that to the table in our own, like asking the question of like, who am I and what do I want to experience in this precious life that I have this, this moment in time. And one of the things like when I was reading through your book, like you give us so many beautiful rituals, you know, for sound. I myself have done many, many sound healings, been in many experiences um, with sound. It's so powerful. It's so transformative. Like, you know, feeling like you were talking about hearing the train and the consistency of that sound, like feeling the vibration move through your body, whether it's, you know, you're vocalizing or whether somebody else is gifting you with some sort of sound resonance is so incredibly powerful. Like, and, and I feel it like my body would be tingling, you know, like I would just feel these vibrations in my body's responding and tingling to that. What for somebody that doesn't, you know, hasn't done that type of healing, who doesn't understand sound healing, or maybe has heard of it, but haven't done it. Like, 
And I know you go through, I mean, it's so beautiful step-by-step in the book about how to start just kind of dipping your toe in the water and doing these rituals and bringing them into your day. What's going on in our bodies with sound, whether we're vocalizing, whether, you know, somebody's, let's say playing singing bowls or, you know, vocalizing to us, like what is that relationship between our, you know, souls, our bodies and sound? Wow. Um, Oh, you know, and this is this is where I will straddle, you know, spirit and science. Because I'm I've done the research, but I'm not a scientist. I'm a spiritualist, right? I'm a healer, I'm a holder. And so everything becomes that for me, right? And so they're absolutely like I mean, incredible research done around how sound affects the body, how sound waves can move the blood, can shift the cells, can uh, create an opportunity for healing in the cells. The the why of it, I don't quite understand, but it's an energetic and an intention. And why why does the key of G land in the body this way and, and be flat in this way? Like there's, there's so much science around it, um, how it will come. Um, what I think of is the experience expansion of our um, understanding of sound healing and our vocabulary around it that will, you know, alongside singing bowls and didgeridoo and the drum and bells will also um, lay words. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the power of words, uh, vowels, consonants, um, 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 a sound in the street of, of, of um you know, the patterns of sounds when we're walking through the world. When I think of it, but just like to bring it to the word, to bring it to something that if I am blessed to make sound, I'm also, I will say to here, working on a, a book, on a project of vibration with tapping your body for those folk who are hard of hearing or death or cannot make sound. You know, when we are able to make sound, um, wrapping ourselves around the sound of our voice and a word and the meaning of the word. Um, and taking the meaning in and reciting it again and again, and then sending the sound of our voice somewhere in our body. In spirit, Grace has shared with me that the hundreds of thousands of pores that cover our skin um, are entry points, are entry points for sound. I mean, you know, of course, for sweat, for oil, for all of the scientific things that skin does, for breathing, the largest organ on the body, but also for receiving um, vibration. Right for receiving the vibration of the word of a note, um, and so um, how those things um, come together um, in 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 my understanding and what I've been taught um, through my spirit guides is the spirit is um, is something that is shared, right? Being in spirit is something that is community. The soul is a singular, a singular existence, like my soul, your soul. And in spirit, we share our souls with each other. Um, you know, uh, Grace has shared with me that the whole, um, and, and I know that this isn't a new concept, it's just how it's coming through my altar, that the notion of I am, the I is me, the individual, and the M is community. The M is the world. The M is every living being. Like the M, right, is all of life, right? And so the I am is my place in all of life. And so um, um, I I talk about um, um, what has been revealed to me is this notion of having a tone for your soul that is that really resonates. Um, and, and we can share those tones, but how they move in our body will absolutely be different, right? It's like the sound of the voice, you know, the shape of your, the shaping of your soul, which in my tradition, 
goes from body to body to being to being and is enduring is is singularly yours like like a like a fingerprint or the sound of your voice and which is a sonic fingerprint and then the spirit of a thing is something that we can share anywhere or that we feel when we walk into um like this gorgeous um uh you know pastoral scene right or uh, the mountain view or a place where something wonderful just happened and you feel it resonating still throughout the rooms right that's the spirit um and how sound works is sound moves through those things through the body in the spirit to the soul um yeah 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 it's so beautiful so let's talk a little bit about that like soul sound right like and is that something that you know is only able to be connected to ourself meaning like when you guide somebody through this process you know is it is it their reflection of what they're feeling that is ultimately not something you're saying oh well this is your sound but something that you're discovering through vocalizing well, and um, vocalizing, listening, looking for that spark of of how you are moved um, inside of the hearing of it, because you know feelings can be fleeting, you know, and um, can move like you know, like uh, the weather in in, um, in San Francisco. Right? It's going to be seven different things in a day. Yeah, and feelings when we are encouraged and allowed. I look at my grandson; he'll have seven feelings in an hour and that's perfect and appropriate right for three yes. and as navigating the sensory world and and so it's not so much it's not so much the feeling of the moment it is something that is that that i think goes and which is why with the notion of soul tones because when i think of soul i think of something that is a deeper enduring energetic um that continues after the body does not um and so the soul tones is consistently when you do your rituals and practices to find it the the tone, the note, the the that that makes your body feel um, an opening, a lightning, um, a receptivity. Like you're moved by this tone, um, and I think we do it all the time. Like we live for the bridge coming up on that song or the chorus, yes. right? Like yes. Every time the chorus comes, here we go. You know, and we just feel better for the rest of the day. Or um, yeah. certain sounds, right, um, will make us soothe us, carry us forward, and um, and so it's 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 a it's a much deeper, more enduring um, journey than like what I might be feeling in the moment. Yeah. And what, so would you, I, I don't know if you'd be willing to share, but what is your soul tone? <laughs> you know, I, at the moment, I lean into, um, like I'm a, I'm an E flat G flat girl. Like I notice that even when I'm toning, um, I will, you know, I've tried it on the pitch pipe a few times. I'm, I kind of live in this like mid range of a tone and, and it will soothe me when I hum it. Um, I write my songs from that place. I, um, the music that I lean into the vocalists, I tend to love contraltos. I love a deeper voice. I love a, um, that rich experience will calm me, will soothe me. And, um, so, you know, I, I, um, and I, and I actually, I mean, this is not a soul tone, but it's a pleasure. I love the pentatonic scale, mm -hmm. um, which is you'll find in, um, um, in a lot of what they call world music, but really it's music from, um, um, from Africa, from the Middle East, from, um, you know, just like they'll lean into the five note pentatonic scale to create these melodies, um, that are really, um, 
sometimes often feel a little otherworldly to me, you know, um, but I love these sounds and I love this music. And that serves to like, it opens up my, I, I would say my third eye, like I, I have visions of more possibility, like what's, what is, you know, possible in a moment if I listen to those songs and those tones, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. It's interesting how you can follow like the music, meaning following like the energy of the tone of a sound, like, like you bring up, you know, loving a bridge of a song, you know, and there's a certain maybe build in that bridge or a delivery in that bridge. That's so gratifying. Like, it's just like, ah, oh, right. Like that yeah. gave me this moment. And, and I think because, you know, at the most fundamental level, like we are sound, like sound is life, right? There's a vibration, pulsation, a sound to everything. You know, we hear the sound of our mother's heartbeat, you know, repetitively. And that comfort of that repetitive heartbeat, you know, in utero, like translates into so many other sounds we take in. So I think, you know, I mean, lots of people love music, right? And they would say, I love music and I love this kind of music and this kind of music, but like fundamentally, like we are the sound, we are right. the music. And so I think it's so beautiful to connect back to that in the ways that you're talking about. And you also talk about another thing that I wanted to ask you. You talk about medicine baths and why mm -hmm. this was so interesting to me. Um, I did something. Have you heard of a Temescal ceremony? Yes, I have. Okay. <laughs> so I felt called to do this recently and, and it was, you know, in their ancient culture land. And it was a really interesting thing where I had to, like, I wasn't able to plan this like in enough time. So I kind of said, well, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. I feel like I'm supposed to connect, you know, with this, with this shaman and, and guide me through this experience. And I just kind of put it out there and it all came together, like in a wild way. Right. And I said to the universe, like, if this is something I'm supposed to experience, like, you know, please open the door for this. So, and I was by myself, like it was just a one-on-one -on -one experience. Um, but through that, a couple of things like, you know, when we go through these rituals and these experiences, like we just take things, you know, from that experience that are so powerful and potent. And one of the things like, is that there was song that he was singing in his native language, as well as English throughout mm -hmm. the ceremony. Um, and, I thought it was interesting that I felt most connected when he was singing in his native language, which I don't speak. So I wouldn't understand the words, but to me, the tones and the frequencies like expressed in his native language seemed so potent, right? Like a different energy and so powerful. And at the very end of the experience, like it was obviously very hot. It was like very intense when I came out um, there was this big, like kind of shower, outdoor shower area. And he just turned on the water and I just stood in the water. Like, and it was, I can't even tell you, it gives me goosebumps just talking about it. Like the elation of like going through this really powerful release and this really powerful experience and how it was all kind of divinely timed. And then being in the water, which I'm a Cancerian too. So I just have like this so connection. Are you? Okay. Yeah. So like water, right? I'm like, oh, water. Um, and, and I'm standing there in the water and, and I'm going through this thing lately in my life where water has become like so critically important to me. Like I'm taking more baths. I'm submerging myself in water more and more as a cleansing um, because there's a lot of like energy right now and a lot of, you know, kind of stuff going on for, you know, 
collectively um, Mm -hmm. and personally in my own life. And so I like really find myself, like I go return to the water, return to the water. So when I was reading your book and you were talking about medicine baths, I just really felt connected, you know, to that because that has, you know, things get highlighted at different times in your life as like valuable or important, or, you know, that's been so important for me. So what is your like connection to that in your experience? Like you have, you know, certain herbs that are being put in these baths. You tell, you tell a little bit more well, about. I mean, they're medicine. They're, I mean, there's, there's, oh my goodness, um, medicine. You can find medicine in in um, most everything, including each other, right? Um, um, to begin with, like the horror that has happened or can happen, or the a trauma can absolutely become medicine. I think that's the true definition of alchemy um, and how we alchemize the horror to be of service to ourselves and to the world. Um, I think it, it. I know that. I, uh, it just makes me think of what you said to open in the beginning about like as children what can happen and um and, and what and how that what the hell that lands in the body and and then what we choose and what we can do with what has happened um and so i yes i water is a big healer for me i'm not only a cancerian i have like several planets in cancer in the 12th house like i'm mostly cancer <laughs> i love it says so much says so much. i'm a water girl and um <laughs> And so it's always been a way, like even sitting by the water, even in my Brooklyn, I would find my way to Prospect Park where there's like a stream and always found water um, or the Hudson River when there were more entry points in Brooklyn, I would just sit and um, and intrinsically know that the water would take my grief. I think in this time of collective grief, when it's so potent and heavy and as grief can be, um, that medicine baths are one way to move it at the end of a day, the end or beginning of the day. I will often begin a day and close a day with a bath. And so in the medicines I I share, I try to make really accessible and easy. Um, like a bay leaf bath. Bay leaf is incredibly gentle medicine. And I have friends who live in the Bay Area that like gather them from trees and send me boxes of them. Like, you know. Oh, you know, I boil the bay leaf and um, and let it sit. And then I pour the entire contents of this pot into a tub and I will rub the bay leaves together and I'll inhale them. And, I'll, you know, it's it's a gentle, generous, beautiful medicine. These are things like I have friends who are herbalists and this is their vocation. It's not mine. Um, the medicines that I share are medicines that have been revealed to me as being of service to the body. Um, so, you know, uh, there's a cinnamon bath in there. There's a bath for listlessness. You know, people use, um, coffee grounds in bags or coffee tea bags for baths for depression. It will help with depression. It will help, um, there are baths to help extract and move grief. And that's like some rose oil or some rose petals or some lavender oil, like, and just being slow and intentional with allowing yourself to soak and allowing yourself to move into and pass the frontal lobe and go down into the body, touch your own skin, like be with yourself for a moment. Um, Because a lot of the, I mean, the grief is, um, it intertwines with our personal grief, the global grief, um, the grief of what we are witnessing of others, Um, humans, our humanity. um, We are pulled and tugged by it, of course. I'm a proponent of, I mean, the whole point of the book is how to move grief out of the body because I know that it gives you sovereignty, right? Mm -hmm. When I am grieving, I can't think. I cannot be considerate. I cannot figure out 
anything um, because I'm grieving and that's, and it takes over my whole life. When I'm moving the grief and I'm and guiding people to move the grief, it gives you um, access to your wisdom again um, and to whatever your connection to spirit is. You know, it, 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 it effectively clears the connection. So medicine baths all day. <laughs> I love a good medicine all day. bath. I all am day. definitely using some of what you provided in the book to add to my experiences. So I thank you for that because, you know, I mean, the things come into our reality sometimes at just the perfect time when we are embracing something. And I think, you know, you talk about grief and you talk about anger and you talk about moving those. And I think those, you know, emotions and energies are probably the two things, two top things that can really blind us, right? Can really take us out of our connection and really make us be so wrapped up in that, that we can't see anything beyond that, including ourselves, right? And life. And so I love, because I think both of those are coming up to be cleared ultimately, but coming up a lot right now for people in various ways. Um, and there's medicine and experiencing those, right? And being able to move through them. I mean, that's really, really important um, not to, you know, not to vilify them because I don't believe that. I just believe their experiences, but having tools to be able to not get stuck in it, like in a phase of it where you feel that you can't move forward or you feel that you can't heal, um, is so needed at this time and so beautiful your experience with that, you know, and how you share about it. Thank you. I mean, like you said, there's information there. You want the information, you know, you want to know why you're angry and why you're sad. You want the information, you want to hold it in your hands. Um, and often, um, the anger, um, it taps or triggers uh, a trigger. It's not a word I really, um, use often, um, but it will stir the, um, the memories of an experience from when you were six years old, standing on a doorstep, watching your mama leave, you know, and you're taking, you're transported to that moment. You cannot help but be. Um, and there's so much science around that. But in spirit, um, I know that there's a way to get yourself back. Yes, there is. Uh, it's been so amazing. I just want to thank you for writing this book and for giving your medicine to the world. I mean, you know, especially sharing as authentically and deeply as you did coming from a place of working on worthiness, right? And like, and value and things of that. And so to be able, you know, you certainly don't sit down to do something as big as writing a book without knowing, right, the worth and the value of your soul, of your gift, of your experience. And so that's a celebration, right? A celebration of your growth and your expansion. And thank you so much for letting us witness that and be a part of it and be able to, you know, hold that in our hands and take that medicine into our own lives. I'm just super grateful that you, that you shared it with everybody. Thank you, Shana. I appreciate you. And thank you for the work that you do. And thank you for this time today. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at the Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love. Here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings. Mm -hmm.